Hello, everyone, and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into Major League Soccer's on-field action. My name is Joe Lowry, and I'm joined, as always, by the one, the only, Jordan Angeli. Jordan, how you doing? I'm good. How are you, Joe? I am quite well, thank you for asking. I am excited to be back talking about one of one of the crazier MLS games I can remember from this season, not necessarily because the action was all that crazy in in the run of play, but the goals in this game. I'm yeah. talking about Atlanta United's 3-2 win over DC United, the Battle of the Uniteds, or at least two of them. Too many Uniteds in MLS. But the goals in this game were just bonkers, like like to the point where I'm not even sure we need to bring out the Jordan rate this goal game because <laughs> I'm at least pretty sure to me they all looked like 10. So I don't really know where we stand, but that's where I'm at right now. This game was insane. Jordan, we both spent some time watching it over the weekend. Before we mm-hmm. get into that game, though, Lucha Gonzalez was fired by FC Dallas on Sunday evening. Took me by surprise. I think it took a lot of folks out there by surprise. Jordan, what's going through your mind when you see that? Do you think that's the right move for Dallas? Were you surprised as well? Where do you where do you sit on all this stuff? I opened up MLS app and I that was the first thing like that. Sometimes you open up the app and you just really don't know what you're going to get. And that time (laughs) definitely hit me by surprise. I was not expecting that. I didn't think Dallas's run of form was anything that would have would have made it a reason for him to be fired. Yeah, it hasn't been their greatest season, but it's not as if he Lucha Gonzalez hasn't had challenges and he has really built up, if you think about it, so many young players that then have been sold. And so he's constantly in this place where he's losing players left and right who are really quality players and players that he has adapted into the system in order to be effective in that Dallas system. And so I don't know. I didn't expect it. I thought it was shocking a little bit. Um but it shows you the ambition of Dallas in this league, and they're not content with where they're sitting and how this season has gone. I'm with you, Jordan. This wasn't, this has not been the best season for Dallas. They're 11th right. in the West after losing to Houston 3-2 over the weekend. They have not been a good team. So, so that is, that's true. But also you look at the level of talent they have, especially talent coming in from outside the United States, and the front office hasn't been hitting. Right. And unless mm-hmm. unless I'm off on who's making those decisions, I don't think Lucci Gonzalez is certainly responsible for making That's all of point. those decisions. Right. So mm-hmm. for me, it's almost Lucci has built a foundation, but he hasn't been given the right buildings to put on top of the foundation. He hasn't been given the right tools to build the buildings on top of the foundation. And I, it's not quite that black and white for me. I'm guessing it's, right. it, it is gray as all things are really. But I I almost wonder, is this the right thing to do? Is this the right person? Is this the right, you know, rosebud to trim, right? I don't necessarily think it's on Lucha Gonzalez entirely. That said, there have been some personnel choices that I've wondered about over time. And I don't know Mm -hmm. more about soccer than Lucha Gonzalez says. He's been on this show before. He's really smart guy, really nice guy. I wish him the best with whatever he does next. But there have been some things I've wondered about tactically from this team. I'm sure the same goes for you. But I, I was surprised by this. And I don't necessarily think this is the right move or the wrong move for Dallas, but it is a surprising one. Yeah. And I was just thinking as you were talking about the number of coaching changes we've seen this year in MLS. And I wonder if it's one of the most of that we've ever seen in this league, because there have been a handful. And not to say that that doesn't happen, because of course it happens. But I just don't remember it being so many like off the top of my head. um, RSL, Vancouver, Dallas, Atlanta, Toronto. Yeah. Is there any more that you can think of? Five. That's five teams. It's a lot. Yeah. 
The turnover is real. No one, no one is safe. Okay, yes, a few there in pe- today's major league soccer, <laughs> Peter Vermees is definitely safe. But that's you know that's fine. Um, so crazy craziness happening in MLS. Craziness happening off the field. Craziness happening on the field. Jordan, let's get to the game. The game okay. that we're here to talk about: Gonzalo Pineda versus Hernan Losada, two new head coaches in the grand scheme yeah. of things for this season. I enjoyed this one a lot. Let's go through the lineups. Let's talk about some of the approaches. Jordan, let's start with Gonzalo Pineda's Atlanta United. How did you see them shaping up in this game? Who was where? Give me all the details. Yeah, they looked to me like they were starting in a 3-4-2-1 with Joseph Martinez as that highest player, Barco and Moreno right underneath them in that two line. And then across the back, they had Walks, Franco, and Campbell, which... um, I, I honestly don't know the status of uh, Robinson, and I think he might be injured or didn't. I think he, he was play. just getting a break. Yeah, yeah, he didn't I think play that's in this game. Pineda said. Okay, so he didn't play in this game, which was a little surprising to me when I first saw the roster. I didn't dig into it as Joe just updated. Um, I think he deserves a rest after his his summer, so um, a good time to provide him with that. And then they they shifted. Um, I guess we can get into the tactics, but they they played in that. Three, four, two, one, and they really did look like they defended in two different um, formations. If they were high pressing, it was more of a three, four, three, and if they were in a low block, it was a five, um, three, two. Is what I noticed. I saw a lot of fluidity from Atlanta. Yeah. So they, th- a lot of those numbers line up exactly with what I saw. Mm-hmm. It just it's flexible with how they're playing right now, and and some of that was true, especially early on this season under Gabriel Hinze. And a lot of those things have carried over. Not the the man marking defensive tactics, but because of the personnel that Atlanta have, it's always going to be fluid, and that was certainly true on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And even within the game, they switched from that into four two three one when yeah. they brought in um, Arushu. Ar- Say it, Joe. I got to <laughs> hear it first. Araujo. Araujo. When they brought in Araujo, they they switched, and then they went back to um, a three-back or a five-back to end out the game. So there was a lot of movement, but that's basically how they, they started and played most out of that formation. Okay. So how that's about from the- D.C.? Yeah, that's the Atlanta side. For D.C. United, I saw it as a 3-5-2, which is a little bit of a deviation from the 3-4-3 shape that Hernan Losada has used most often, but uh, very similar ideas, right? In this game, it was Ola Kamara and Paul Ariola up top, and then had the three central midfielders behind them, and then the back three and the wing backs to the side. No Andy uh-huh. Nahara, which is a big bummer, because he's been excellent this season for DC yeah. United and for Honduras in World Cup qualifying. But the shape the shape did change a little bit for Losada at times, based off of where Drew Skundrich was. He's yeah. the left-sided central midfielder. He'd step forward into that front line at times. So first, in my notes, I had it as a 3-4-3. Then I scratched that out. Okay, I used a computer. I didn't scratch anything out. I deleted it. <laughs> then I put 3-5-2. And it really was a mixture of, of the two of those things at times. And, and it was fluid, obviously. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I did see it as a 3-4-3 with Skundrich, especially in defensive roles. Yeah. Playing more in what would be a 3-5-2 or a 5-3-2. He, he filled in in that central midfield line defensively. And then attacking-wise, I felt like, I mean, there is so much. Both of these teams have a lot of movement in between the, the front lines once they're attacking. So I think that it was just, as you said, a lot of fluidity there. 
I thought DC started out pretty well in this Me game, too. to be honest with you. The way, from almost the start of this game, like the first yeah. couple of minutes, they were up, they were aggressive, they were pressing. And that is Hernan Losada's team, right? That is the brand that he has built. They are one of the most aggressive, high-pressing teams in MLS. And they didn't go all out all the time in this game. But they were pretty effective in moments early on, winning the ball high up the field with the ball as well. I really liked Gressel and, and Kevin Paredes as the right wing back and left wing back, respectively. Both really skillful players, different. Gressel's more more inclined to bend that ball in behind. But Paredes did some of that, too, from the left side. So I liked yeah. that pairing. I thought those players brought the most creativity on the field, which is good. But also, if you're DC United, that's not exactly where you want to be. You want to have creativity in central midfield, at least at least a degree of creativity. You want to have that with your wingers to feed Ola Kamara. And I thought when they had the ball, if it wasn't at the feet of Julian Gressel, who, who wasn't perfect in this game in the ball, he had a couple of turnovers, or Paredes, they lacked a lot of of movement and they they lacked a lot of ability on the ball, I think, to actually break Atlanta United down. And I thought that hurt DC United in this game. So it was kind of a hot and cold performance for me with the ball when I watched DC United. Yeah, I would agree. And I I think when you're asking about creativity of the central players, I I wouldn't say in this formation and how high pressing and high attacking and you know, the pressure of getting forward as quickly as possible that Hernan Lasada wants. I don't think that those two holding central players in Canaus and Moreno, those are the two that started the game. I don't think you need anything but what those two are. Like, I don't think the creativity needs to come from there. I think it needs to come from that higher line or that three line, which is a lot of the times looks like tucked in wingers, right? Like if you're talking about a pocket winger, Ariola plays that space and he that's what he likes to do but it did lack creativity in those moments and i love that you brought up brought up paredes because this kid is swaggy man yeah. and he's strong he's like such a little pipsqueak but he can hold his ground against bigger players who get in tackles and he's not a, he's not afraid of it and he sometimes wins those duels and it shocks me sometimes but i think that there is growth in his game that I've already seen this season. And I, I meant I wrote down in the 23rd minute, you you were talking about Gressel whipping in balls. The 23rd minute, Paredes sends in this ball that is like a whipped in Gressel ball. And it's it's so good. And I feel like that's one of the things we've we knew from last year coming into this year, he's good on the dribble, right? He's confident in his skills to take players one on one and he wants to do that. But those are the the other transferable skills of a, a wing player, especially in a wing back position, is your quality of crossing. And who better to learn from than Julian Gressel when you're talking about MLS players in that spot? Absolutely. No, I think he is. He's the guy that when you sign a deal with DC United as a young player and you play in a similar spot, he's the guy you want to learn from. Mm-hmm. Right. He is the player that does a lot of those things so well. He's, I mean, Julian Gressel has had. Maybe his best season in MLS, it hasn't gone quite as high profile, hasn't hasn't been quite as high profile because he's not whipping in balls to Joseph Martinez anymore. But the way that he's created chances for DC from that right wing consistently this season has been phenomenal. Working with Paul Areola when Areola is healthy, working with Andy Nahar when all three of those players are on the right, they can interchange, they can combine. And that's been DC United's biggest asset, I think, this season, yeah. then leading to Ola Kamara getting those scoring chances. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's exciting for Paredes to have a chance to watch uh, Julian Gressel and work with him on a regular basis. The missing right. piece for DC, I thought in this game, at least with the ball, was Edison Flores. And we saw it later on. He scores DC United's second goal, which is a banger from outside Uh. the box in the 94th minute. And a half volley strike that makes it 3-2. And and DC still don't uh, get a result from this one. But what a strike from him. But I thought when Flores comes on, 
it shifts the shape into the 3-4-3 full-time. I think it was a lot more consistently that front three as opposed to the front two-three hybrid thing. Edson Flores has the quality that I think DC needs, and there's a reason they brought him in, what, a season ago, two seasons ago yeah. now? And it's a shame that he hasn't been on the field more this season. I think he's played just under 900 minutes so far in 2021. He, to me, is, is so clearly the missing piece of that puzzle. Ariola can be the workman like uh, a winger on one side. Flores can still press and still work, but he has more quality on the ball. And then you have the goal scorer in the middle with workers behind them in midfield and creative players on the wings at, at wing back. I think those pieces make a ton of sense, and I just want to see more of all of those pieces on the field at the same time yeah yeah well I think that the I mean just watching a lot of games in the east and knowing Hernan Lusada and what he wants maybe just the every single player on that team right is constantly working I mean the the amount of work that Kamara puts in as a central forward I mean he's still sprinting and pressing the ball on the goalkeeper in the last minutes of this game, you have to be not only uber fit, but uber committed to the system. And you just, I don't know what's happening in DC, but I wonder if that's part of the reason that Flores can't make his way Mm. into this squad, because it is, it does make sense, especially with his ability to thread through those, you know, not only create off the dribble and find that last pass in the final third, but also create enough attention around him. And then it frees up Julian Gressel for maybe, a potential cross like he has shown his accuracy and gets more people in the box. So, um, yeah, it does make sense. I just don't know if the commitment or especially when you're going against an Atlanta United squad, maybe this is just this game, you know, and you need a little bit more of a defensive presence while you bring in Skundrich and you play him in more of a three line. But I do think for D.C., there were so many moments where it was so close. And I thought that for a lot of this game, they look like the more – that they looked like the team who could score more goals because they were creating good-looking attacks. Okay, so let's talk about the other team in this equation. Okay. Then. Let's talk about Atlanta United. Jordan, I'm kind of with you. I wasn't wholly impressed with DC United's attacking play, but I also wasn't all that impressed with Atlanta United's either, mm-hmm. it, it, with with the exception of the individuals that really did right. put their stamp on this game. They, they marked this game. Atlanta controlled a lot of the possession in this game, especially early on. They had a lot of the ball in that back three, but I didn't feel like they did a ton of dangerous things with it. They looked dangerous in moments, especially when they could drive at DC United's back line. But I don't think they were all that effective in the possession phase. Did you see any anything from them that maybe would go against that idea? Because I'm open to being wrong here. No, and I, I felt like the times that Atlanta was most effective was actually when they engaged a high press or a transition moment where they went from offense to defense. They locked into a press and then they could win whatever ball that DC cleared. In those moments where DC then was a little bit more stretched trying to play out, I felt like those were the moments where Atlanta was the most dangerous. Yeah, it, it comes in in transition moments. That's the word you're mm-hmm. using. I think that's the yeah. perfect way to describe it because the first goal, I think, is a great example of the yep. point that we're both making. It comes from Barco's insane free kick. What a shot that is. Oh, my word. It comes from that 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 strike from Barco on a free kick. But if we back it up a little bit, the early buildup to this, Atlanta is in possession, but it comes when Barco has a chance to actually be in space on the left side and then drive forward and chips a ball in behind to Bello, who is now driving forward. He can actually face up and 
and, and Donovan Pines can't keep up and he has to drag Bellow down. So it doesn't come from this slow, patient look in possession. It comes from a little bit more of a direct moment where yeah. Bellow then can drive and, and get in behind it. And it's a great ball from Barco to help Bellow earn that foul. And then it's the free kick. So it's moments like that where I feel like Atlanta can, can go a little bit more direct and vertically, yeah. even, even in a pseudo possession like moment. I think those are the chances that they actually they took in this game. Well, that chance, I looked a little bit before it too, Joe, because I was curious about how Atlanta got Bellow in that position. And I feel like one of their biggest assets is having George Bellow as a wingback because at times he looks like a center forward and a winger and can also get back and play in the back line at the same time. And it's just, I'm like, where are there two of these kids on the field? I'm really confused. And Atlanta actually wins, win the ball back on an opposing goal kick. So um, it's Hamid who plays the ball out. The ball gets sent from the back line of DC United in behind Pines. And from there, it's a quick switch of the point of attack. And what, what, um, Atlanta does is they bring the ball to the right side and then they go all the way back around to the left through Guzan. And the cue for DC United to high press was what, Joe? Do you, do you remember seeing this time and time again? Fill me in, Jordan. It's a back pass. So Atlanta sends it to their right side and they get it to Lennon and he takes a back pass to find one of his center backs and DC United say, okay, we're going to start to press. And then they keep pressing and it goes all the way back to Guzan. And as it swings out the far side and goes to Anton walks, what happens is one of it's Russell Knauss who's trying to step up into the midfield and be that next line of DC's press to get on Rosetto or Sosa. And when that happens, then there's space on the wing and on the channel to make that wing back for uh, DC United make a decision. And in this tri- in this point, it was Julian Gressel. He had to decide, okay, do I step to Barco or do I stay with Bello, who's in behind me because of that goal kick a long time ago, <laughs> um, and, and stay with him or do I pass him off to Pines? And it was that indecision because of the switch of the point of attack and engaging DC United in their high press that Atlanta could then use that stretch to their advantage and find um, Bello in a place where he just made Pines uncomfortable by slipping in behind. So um, it was a really smart play and it was a good recognition that Knaus left that center space, which he was really good at occupying. And once he did, Atlanta uh, punished them. Jordan, that is great analysis. I love that. It, it's so detailed. The second goal is another sort of manufactured transition moment where, moment where DC United are stretched. And this one is even more on DC United, right? Can, yeah. can I just add? It's off a Please. goal kick again. Right, right. Yeah. So it, it's a chance where DC United have the ball and they're building it out of the back and the camera just cuts to it a little bit late, but they lose yeah. the ball. DC does. And Barco then gets on it and slips the ball into Joseph in the box and it's too easy. It's classic Joseph Martinez with that finish. But it's another moment where Atlanta capitalized using their attacking talent or, or in, you know, the first goal was more Bello and Barco getting on the ball. But in this, in this moment, it's all of the straight up front runners and they're getting involved in taking advantage of mistakes. And I think that's when Atlanta United's at their best and those moments typically come in transition. So so you see you see that on the first two goals. You really even see it on the third goal. Very quickly, DC United corner. Atlanta United counter through Marcelino Moreno, who's on the right wing in this particular sequence. Three DC United players can't take Moreno down. And this is this is kind of inexcusable defending, honestly. And Moreno eventually breaks into the box and cuts it back for George Bella, who sneaks behind Donovan Pines and scores, and it's 3-1, and the game's pretty much over at that point. So all three of these moments come in some sort of situation where DC is stretched defensively. And and if you're a team prepping to face off against Atlanta United for the rest of the season, 
you have to work on eliminating those moments. Because like mm-hmm. we said, they weren't hugely dangerous with the ball in possession in those slower moments. And they had a lot of the slower moments in buildup against DC's press. But when they can break forward and get the ball to Barco or get the ball to Luis Araujo, who was just insanely good in this game and has been one of the best players in MLS since he's come to this league. When you get the ball to those guys, when you get the ball to Marcelino Moreno on the break, good things are going to happen or bad things are going to happen for you if you're the opposing team. So you can't take Atlanta United lightly at this point under Gonzalo Pineda. Exactly what you just said. I think back to when the Columbus crew played Atlanta that's exactly how Moreno and Bello scored the first goal. It was in those transition moments that you said and staying compact and minimizing those spaces. And I think for the most part, DC did a really good job of doing that and making Atlanta try to break them down. But it was in those transition moments and Atlanta is turning back into that team where they, they, they taste the blood in the water and they're like, oh, there's a little bit of space. We're going to go. And I think Araujo is that perfect player for them because there's moments where, man, it feels like Miguel Amarone is back on the field, yeah. just gliding in space on the dribble um, and, and shifting the defense. If you have time to go watch, back, watch this game, the 70th minute is, I think, the, the perfect look at something different that Araujo can do um, and how Atlanta used that space that they created wide to create an overload there. And it, it got Lennon and Rosetto into the channel. But then from that, it's Araujo just being the playmaker and making everything look so easy. So um yeah, this is an Atlanta United team that I don't think anybody wants to play right now because they do have that swag and that confidence and a scoring Joseph Martinez that, um, you know, when that when that guy's feeling it, you never want to be the next one up. Mm-hmm. No, you do not. And Atlanta United, with that win, are now in the playoffs. Uh, I, mean, I mean, not for sure at this point, but right. they're in the playoff field <laughs> yeah. right now. I, re- I realized I said that wrong. DC are out. <laughs> so things are really tight in the Eastern Conference right now. Mm-hmm. It is, it's going to reshuffle a bunch of times, I'm sure, between now and Game 34. But this Atlanta team is looking a little more dangerous. They haven't... I mean, they've won a couple of good games since Pineda's taken over. They lost 2-0 to Nashville in his first game. Not a very good performance from them. But then they followed that up with a 3-0 win over Orlando, who's a a solid team. And then they beat Cincinnati 4-0 midweek and then just won this game against DC United 3-2. The results are starting to add up and and credit to Gonzalo Pineda and the players for that change in form and for the fact that they're climbing up the table. They're not a team that anybody wants to play. Um, one, One more quick note from me on this game, Jordan, before I flip back to you, if you have anything to close us out on. We started with DC and I kind of want to end at least my thoughts with them as well. We gave credit to Atlanta and we gave some credit to DC for for the press and things like that, the wingbacks. But I just want to give some credit to Hernan Losada for just a second. The way that he has changed this team and, and they may not make the playoffs, they may. And even if they make the playoffs, they're probably not going to make a deep run in the playoffs. But still, I can't stress enough how much I appreciate what Losada has done with this team. They're fun again. And they haven't been fun consistently in a while. The Wayne Rooney and and Lucho Acosta era was fun. But Ben Olsen, the end of that Ben Olsen era was rough. And DC was bad. They were bad to watch and they were a bad team on the field. Now, I think they're generally a good team on the field. I think they're better than than their points total indicates. And they're a fun team to watch. It's hard to do that stuff so quickly. And the fact that Hernan Losada has done that without drastically changing the squad, really. I mean, he has changed the squad some, and he has had different players brought in. 
But I, I just am incredibly impressed with the work that he's done coming over in his first season, a, a young coach coming into MLS, the first place outside of Belgium that he's ever coached. Just so impressive to me. And Hernando Sada has done a great job. And I'm really interested to see where this team goes from here with him at the helm. Yeah. And it it didn't look like it was going to be that way. No. Started off rough. And some of his comments about his players and where they're at fitness wise were like, Ooh, buddy, like, how is this going to work out for you? But it does seem like there is an an understanding and a trust now within that group. And yeah. you see it on the field and how they work for each other and how they cover space. And um, they still have that bite and the grit and the tackles and, you know, a little bit of what Ben Olsen and DC United was. But now they have it with structure in how to play this high attack, quick pace get forward in your face soccer and yeah it has it is a much more entertaining i will just like to say if you're watching this game if you're gonna go back and watch this game you could probably cut out the last 20 minutes of the first half yeah did you feel like it was i mean sometimes when this was to me like i know a lot of people are playing this three back system with a variety of different ways in front of it but if you're high pressing with three and playing a three back it can get into this game of to to the lack of better terms, boot ball, where yeah. it's just going back and forth with the high press and then the team is clearing it and they're trying to win the first and second balls. And I was like, okay, can this half end? So um, I hate to leave it on that note, but um, it did feel like there could have been a little adaptation in some of the tactics. But in the, in the end, um, just cut that part out and you're going to see some good goals and <laughs> okay. some... Um, some fun soccer from both sides. And I, th- I think we highlighted a lot of the really key players in this game. And um, yeah, how these teams are pushing for the playoffs. It's going to be interesting now. Just this is our second year seeing this. We're just so, you know, being conference heavy point swings are going to be huge at, towards the end of the year. And we're going to see, especially I feel like in the East, a lot of teams changing places here over the next month. All I know is that if Inter Miami make the playoffs and DC United miss out on the playoffs, I might cry. I, I might <laughs> oh, cry. No, that no would, one wants Joe to cry. That, that would be just <laughs> kind of the worst like, thing yep, that could happen. I know, I know. Um, but to end on that note is, I guess, fitting because that's what we're doing. Yeah. Jordan, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks, Joe. Listeners, thank you so much for listening and we'll be back again soon.